0: Welcome to the Business Gorillas Podcast, where the biggest, baddest, and most fearless business owners pull the curtains back and reveal their most tightly guarded secrets and strategies with your host, serial entrepreneur and marketing visionary, Josh Rosenberg. Buckle up. It's time to get started.
1: What's going on, guys? This is going to be a fun one especially if you are looking to get into really, really damn good shape. Um, I know all of us as business owners and entrepreneurs and uh, just really generally very busy people, our health and our fitness is something that we don't always have enough time to really take on. And honestly, it is so, so important. Your brain releases all kinds of hormones and chemicals when you're uh, in shape and you're, you're getting enough cardio in and you're really uh, pushing yourself that will help you in all aspects of your business. You're going to be able to focus better. You're going to sleep better. You're going to have a, a better appetite so that you're able to, to fuel yourself better throughout your day. So that's why I want to have um, my buddy Mo Geis on to share some of his advice with you guys. Now, <laughs> Mo has been growing his business for the last few years. I've been uh, I've known him for uh, a little while now and he is helping um a lot of guys get rid of their frumpy dad bods and sort of build a really sleek sexy father figure for themselves and by the way i'm pretty proud that i came up with that tagline for it so, <laughs> uh Mo is a formerly fat guy who is now in insane shape. And by the way, if you follow him on Facebook and he puts up, puts up a picture uh, of him working out, there are a lot of girls that seem very thirsty. So I can test this guy's in great shape. He's a fitness and wellness coach with over 300 clients, including neurosurgeons, lawyers, engineers, college students, seven, eight, and nine-figure business owners. This guy teach, it, trains the who's who out there. He's a certified personal trainer. He's competed in physique competitions. He's won top place for fitness modeling at LA's fitness top uh, or LA's top fitness expos. He's won first place in the USA Powerlifting 2019 all um, before the age of 25. Holy crap! Mo has worked as a, in clinical medicine for over eight years, so he knows firsthand what happens when people don't take care of their health and uh, wellness. He's trained alongside Hollywood celebrities. Um, he, he's um, uh, gotten to mentor some of the, or gotten mentored by some of the best fitness coaches in the world. And because of his medical history, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. So that uh, a lot of times, you'll see fitness coaches will push you in ways that you shouldn't, and you get hurt. Your form is off, and they don't realize it, and you get hurt. When you're working out with Mo, he knows every single part of how your anatomy should function and how it shouldn't. So above everything else, he helps to keep you safe. So Mo, thank you very much for being here today.
2: Thank you for an amazing introduction, Josh. Appreciate it.
1: Of course, of course. So um, let's just jump right into, would you mind uh, telling us a bit about your business uh, and who does it help really?
2: Yeah, totally. So obviously Coach Mo here uh, the name of my business is Training with the Titans. Um, and yeah, that name came off of me from actually training alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger in LA once. And I remember feeling I'm like, man, I feel like I'm it was like 7 a.m. in Gold Gym and realizing like I'm training among the Titan right now. And uh, then I told that story to my friend. He named the program. He's like, you should call your program Training with the Titans because that's basically what you were inspired by. That's what you like creating, working with your clients. So that was the name, Training with the Titans. And it still is the name till this day. And who we work with is is two types of people. One, like Jai said, we create, you know, we, we take men who have dad bods and create a bit of sexy father figures, which basically means, you know, getting their health in order, making sure they look good, but also feel good. You know, that's a two-part equation uh, because a lot of people, they look good, but they don't feel good. And a lot of people feel good, but they look like shit. So it's like, got to do both. And then the second clientele that we work with a lot is the women that are getting married in the next three to six months. So that clientele hires us all the time. Um, Basically, if you have a wedding day and you want to look your best, we are the best in the game uh, to help you get there as well.
1: So let's back up a quick second. You said you were training alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is he known for being in good shape?
2: Arnold Schwarzenegger is in very good shape. Overall. Is, is that something um, that people
1: would recognize about him that he was ever like a guy that's in good shape?
2: Are you kidding or are you for real? Yeah, no, I'm, um, of course I'm kidding. Yeah, so Arnold obviously uh, Mr. Olympia seven times, and he I mean he's a very inspiring character because not only is a business like brain like an amazing business brain but also he changed careers in his life and like he did it at the best in each career so going from bodybuilding being the best in the world then to you know going to movies and being the terminator and being the best in that world and then becoming a governor of of the whole state of california in politics and then alongside that i mean you look at his business portfolio he was a millionaire even before he got into acting Right, based on his real estate investments. Now he invests in Boeing seven, you know, like big planes and malls. So, like, you look at someone like that and you're like, these people are multifaceted. And I'm always inspired by people like that. So, you see Arnold, I mean, you, I would always see him at 7 a.m. every day at the gym. He would be there and then he would ride his bike back home. Um, so, you look at people like that and it was always inspiring being 21, 22 and being around that clientele. Um, Nothing but good takes came
1: out of that. Yeah, I, I remember a number of years ago, I read um, like a little, like a three, four page bio, biography on him. And the guy comes over to America, not speaking a word of English, and decides he wants to get into acting, which is incredibly hard to begin with, but with no contacts and barely speaking the language, ends up becoming the biggest action star in the world. Then he goes and marries a Kennedy. Essentially, cementing himself as American royalty, then becomes a governor. Like this guy has run, has lived an incredible life, and now it is—he's in his seventies and he's still at the gym, still every day working out. Synonymous with fitness, so for you to be able to get a chance to work out alongside him, I could just imagine like how inspiring that that probably was for you.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And for me, it was I—I I moved from the Midwest to Los Angeles knowing nobody and i remember seeing running into arnold like on day two or day three and feeling like dude this is already worth it um and and when you're around people like that it rubs off on you um and it was just yeah i mean just being there and and seeing the other side of the celebrity factor uh there are a lot of celebrities that you know gain a little bit of fame and all of a sudden they start you know being the hot shots around town Then you see someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's been a celebrity since the early 80s, so for the last 40 years, right? And he's just at a normal gym and training and, like, obviously he had his his bodyguard. But at the same time, it was just, like, don't lose the thing that made you a celebrity, which is the love people have for you. I see a lot of new age celebrities, and all of a sudden they're so hot shots and, like, avoiding the crowds. Arnold, I think he never changed because he realized, like, because he's been a celebrity for so long, it kind of, like he's just like, it's another day in life.
1: Yeah. I really, part really, really of, at like this point, really. it's just part of his DNA. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Um,
1: so is this, um, fitness business of yours, um, the very first sort of entrepreneurial venture that you've had, or have you attempted other things before this?
2: Um, this one is the one that I've done the longest. Yes. Um, uh, because I was so passionate about it. I, I used to study software engineering in college. So the, the first, I would say real business that real product that I made was uh, a website. It's called trainwithme.us, which was a, basically a program that where you can find workout buddies that live in your area that you can work alongside with. Oh, so, that cool. was before. Yeah. And that was before I even decided to become a fitness coach. Uh, that was never in the realm. I just enjoyed fitness. And, uh, but that product did not succeed at all because even though I built it, I had no idea how to market and sell it. Uh, which is like key skills that every new business owner should know is, Hey, like having a product is not enough. You gotta be able to promote it. You gotta be able to market it, sell it. And like the, it has to be profitable. Right. So for me at that age of nineteen, twenty, I built a product, but you know, I had no idea how to market and sell it. So it all went to zero. So that was a good venture. It was fun building it. It taught me a lot, but, uh, Going back, I I would definitely like spend more time on like learning to like how to put it in the market, all of those skills that I didn't have at the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could invent a way to give people superpowers, let them fly, give them super strength, speed, all of that. But if nobody knows it exists, then what good is it? And exactly, you know, the idea of finding somebody to work out with is pretty brilliant because one of the biggest reasons that people give up on their fitness goals is uh accountability you know Mm -hmm. if you have somebody that you can work out with and you've set up time you say okay every day at 7 a.m we're going to meet at the gym we're going to put in 45 60 minutes whatever it is and we're going to um spot each other now you're accountable to them you have to show up otherwise you're kind of a dick but when you don't have somebody and you just decide you know uh maybe i'm going to start going to the gym this week you might go once or twice, but it's really difficult to get yourself to go every day. You're going to find all these excuses not to show up. And then when, you know, a month goes by and you're in the exact same shape and, and nothing's changed, you're, you're thinking to yourself, why am I paying for this gym membership? So having an accountability partner could be huge for people. I mean, I, I talk about this a lot where I see a lot of personal trainers, the people that they're training are usually in good shape. Well, why is that? They don't need somebody to teach them how to use the equipment. And it's more than just someone counting backwards from 10 while they're doing their, their reps. They need to be accountable to know that I am paying this person money to show up every day at this time and to get a workout in. And if I'm not, then I'm just wasting my money and their time. So the, oh, idea, the, the idea is brilliant. It, and it's a shame that it didn't take off, but you know, right. none of us get here or very few of us get uh, become successful in our very first ventures. Um, for a lot of us, it might take 10, 12, 20 uh, ventures before you find some success.
2: And that's um, why I think like it's very important to to put that into proper context for yourself and not give up um, yeah. and, and learn from it and move on. But at the same time, it's don't take it as a failure that, hey, I'm not good at business or or give yourself some limiting belief that I'll forever
0: holds you back.
1: No, of course. Um, and I think one of the biggest reasons for this is people get kind of married to their idea. You know, it would be very easy for you to come up with your accountability uh, training app and understand just how much value that actually provides. And if people had someone to work out with that they were accountable to every day, this would really impact their life. And as a result, you probably wouldn't want to give up on that no matter what. And well, at the end of the day, you kind of need to be able to let it go. And the longer you keep, trying to resuscitate and keep it from flatlining the harder it's going to be to eventually say goodbye to it 100%. So, you know that that's with all businesses um when you're starting out really you can't be afraid to just let the thing go and move on to the next venture
2: exactly
1: um so i know just from getting to know you that you wear a lot of hats in your business to to keep it going. I know you've got a small team right now, but what is like one thing that you think that you do in your business that moves the needle more than anything else?
2: I would say the biggest thing I do right now in my business is learning about more inflow channels that'll bring us business. So in one word, that would mean acquisition. So real as a ceo i constantly have to realize like what our bottleneck is and if i can look at that bottleneck right now for us is inflow so getting enough people through the door so like as a ceo first i have to learn that skill and being like okay like this is where we're lacking and actually let's master that platform and then the second is being able to build a team that can actually take it over um i think too often one of the biggest mistakes i see is like too often and even in my early career. I would outsource things before I understood them. Mm. So what happens is when you start outsourcing to marketing agencies or different agencies and they start selling you packages, like, Oh, you need a website, you need a brand development, you need a podcast, you need this, like they, all these things. But at the end of the day, they're not directly correlated to the revenue that's going to pay your business bills and all of that stuff. So for me, it's constantly discerning what matters and what doesn't matter. Right? So when you run a team, even a small team, I think too often, when you're in the early days, you're going to have, your team is often going to get distracted. Sometimes they're going to start looking at, you know, shiny object syndrome and start doing things that don't get you anywhere, right? That don't move the business or the needle forward. So for me as a CEO, the biggest thing I do is every day is like learning about better acquisition channels, if I can have more inflow. And second, making sure my team is focused on the tasks that they need to be done. Uh, Because too often people, are cutting grass with scissors, which is an analogy often used. It's like, bro, just use the lawnmower, it'll go faster, right? But too often people are too busy cutting grass with scissors and we don't get much done. So as a CEO, obviously you wear multiple hats, but the biggest one for me in my business is acquisition um, because that is one thing I'm good at. And then I can always like, you know, bring on team members to, once I create something, I do it enough times, I know we perfected it. I can teach that skill teach it to my team member and we'll I'm out of that and that's how I look at my role.
1: Yeah, 100% agree. Um I I see this a lot where somebody will will try to hire an agency or a person to run their social media for them and they're equating likes and followers to revenue. And I I always tell them like you know having a follower base and likes is is good if you're into vanity, but unless those people become actual customers, what good is it? Like you're patting yourself on the back. You're saying, look how many people like me, but are those people paying you? Or are they, you know, maybe you put up some kind of inspirational quote or a meme or that's funny or something and they hit the like button and they forgot you even exist. And then on the other end, you're seeing that all those likes are coming in, thinking that means you're doing something really well. 100%
2: so I was looking at our numbers in 2018 I used to get probably like five times more likes on Instagram as compared to now but now I have 10 times bigger business (laughs) (laughs) so it's like so so the point is like too often people get stuck on the vanity metrics and they forget why they're even doing it because and that's why you hear people they're like yeah Facebook's algorithm is changing or Instagram's algorithm is changing and it's like bro like That does not matter as much as you think it does. So as long as you keep showing up, as long as you keep giving your people value, and you do it in a way that they can get more, more business in and help people and they can refer and like have a system built. I mean, that's the stuff that most people don't understand. Like looking at your likes and getting more likes, that's the easy stuff. Building a business on the back end and having systems in place that can get you more customers that can increase the lifetime value of a customer that you can retain that customer for long, get those customers results. So they refer again and again and again, that stuff is hard. Getting 10 likes on Instagram or 200 or 10,000 likes on Instagram. That's easy. You know, and that's oh, the front end.
1: I've had, I've been in situations plenty of times where I'm on the phone with a prospective client and I end up deciding I don't want to work with them because the plan that I've created, the blueprint that I've uh, mapped out for them, is about revenue and getting money and customers and paying the bills. And they're more interested in just looking good on social media and making some kind of a statement and getting followers. I said, okay, for every like you get, I'm gonna to go to your competitor and I'm gonna get them a dollar. And when you have a, a million likes, they're gonna have a million dollars. When you have 10 million likes, they'll have 10. And I will run you into, the, into bankruptcy if that's how you really want to play this game and that's what you think is important. Cause I don't know about you, but my landlord does not take rent payments in the, in the form of likes. He takes cash.
2: They don't. They don't. And it's, it's, yeah. And it's, is that, I mean, I think, I don't know if you agree with this Josh, but I think that level of discernment comes with maturity in your business career. So a lot of people that start business and then they see quick success or they don't see anything at all they got obsessed with vanity metrics. They got obsessed with numbers that don't matter, but people that mature, the people that have done it for a while, they start realizing what actually matters and what doesn't matter. So like for me, been doing it for, you know, uh, especially this business for exactly four years now, I've seen like the ups and downs of the industry and and I've realized like what actually matters, what moves the needle forward and on what things should I not waste any time on? Because that takes time away from things that actually matter so as a business owner i think it just comes with maturity and realizing hey like this is good for the business and this is not so yeah
1: so um i know there's a lot of fallacies in the fitness space and a lot of people out there that may be in really good shape and may look good on camera that are trying to sell you something when they don't know what they're talking about. Um, You probably see this more than 10 times more than I do. So what is something that you see every day that you know is just total bullshit or someone that's a liar a charlatan, a phony that's a scam artist that if you could tell the listeners to be wary of and to stay away from, what is something that you would uh, advise them on?
2: I would, the thing I should stay away from is those uh, fitness magazines at the grocery store aisles. Um, I think every time I go to a grocery store, every time I go to a store, I see like, oh, lose 19 pounds in 10 days with this ketosis method that Dr. Oz invented or Oprah Winfrey invented or this person invented. And and those crazy, crazy claims do not work. And they never work. They're just advertising. But also, even if you start believing them, you're at, you'll be at a much, much worse spot for your fitness because you'll never get anywhere. Because if they promise that you're going to lose 19 pounds in 10 days and you only lose nine pounds in those 10 days, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to give up. Right. So whenever you see someone making crazy, crazy claims, first of all, they're probably lies. And second of all, ask yourself, is this even healthy for me? Like losing this much weight this quickly, like even if that was possible, is this even healthy for me? Right. So like we see a lot of charlatan we see in the fitness industry, I think it's more so than any other industry because Anybody and their aunt pretends to know that they know how to how to get fit. And yet nobody's really fit. So you see a lot of people that are just trying to make money off of people's insecurities, that are making money off of people's desires and they're selling them things that are just not, not real. And, and I think one of the, this used to make me really angry in the early days of my career. And then now I've like overcome that, but I think if you're working with someone, let's say some trainer or, or somebody that's pretending to be a coach on, on Instagram that wants you to hire them, ask yourself, like, has this person successfully transformed their own body? Has this person helped a lot of other people? Because you don't want to be the guinea pig of this. You don't. Because a lot of trainers just started yesterday. Like, it's, it's you know, it's a, it's a market where money can be made. So people like jump into it. And most people don't even know the ins and outs they don't they don't realize anything because the reason you hire a coach is because you this is like this is your first time trying to lose weight on your own so you want someone that's been there for 20 years that can help you someone that's done it over and over and over and over again that can help you and give you guidance and point out things that you don't quite see yet right do a blind spots so in terms of charlatans and all of that like stay away from magazines at the grocery stores stay away from anybody that makes crazy headlines that just don't, don't seem real or some super food that's going to transform you. Like all those people, they're just trying to make a buck off of you and it just does not help. Versus what we should do is work with someone that's done it over and over again. Someone that actually believes in long-term longevity of health and fitness, like looking good and feeling good. And someone that you can trust and vibe with, right? That's pretty important too. So there are a lot of and I'm not going to name any names, but I think that's less important than giving someone a framework to think
1: through. I have um, a good friend of mine who's going through a lot of uh, health problems right now. His body's starting to fall apart at a pretty young age. He's in his mid forties. And, you know, this has been a pretty serious problem uh, and he's gone to different experts and, and people. And it wasn't until very recently that he went to a doctor who's um, spent his whole life working, studying, um, uh, your diet and the effects of food and supplements and what it has in your body, that stuff really start to make sense. And so my friend, Mike, he takes the recommended advice from these fitness experts and these other doctors to this new dietitian doctor. I don't know what his exact title is, but he's saying, um, okay, so this person over here said every day you need two grams of protein for every pound of, you know, that you weigh. So, or something like that, maybe one pound of protein for every pound you weigh. He goes, did that person run blood and does he know that your kidney levels are of this in this range, you need to have 1.7 grams, not two. If you have two, you're going to, uh, start to develop kidney failure. Does he know that, um, if you have this kind of this much, uh, many carbs in your diet, it's going to affect your body in that way. And you could get, uh, liver problems because this is just how your body is working. And so when you see a lot of times magazines that will say, this is the optimal diet, and they're giving you these exact numbers. No, that's just some, some researcher that's kind of rounding up and giving you nice round numbers. Everybody is different. And 2% to one person might be not enough to somebody else. It might be too much, but to a a good amount of people, it might be more or less the right number, but until you know, for sure what your body needs, you could be doing more harm than good. And you might not feel it right away, but you know, something like kidney problems might take years to develop, but when they happen now it's too late and you're really fucked.
2: Yeah. And, and I mean, it's just like the, so many people are so out of shape that your body does not give you the feedback that it should normally give you if you're healthy, right? So a healthy person, you eat something, your body quickly tells you if it liked it or not, if it felt good or not. Right. The first goal for everybody is to start exercising and start doing something so your body's at a healthy spot, right? Don't be that out of shape person eating, you know, potatoes on the couch all day, right? You want to be able to move your body. You want to be able to do some kind of exercise. And this is something I've learned over time too, is like the foods that are, they're, they're like you were saying, Josh, it's like, you should know what foods are good for you, right? And the way that you find that out is when you eat something, how do you feel right after eating it? You feel like sluggish and like sleepy, or do you feel ready to go and like feeling good because you ate a good nutritious meal, right? I think I just had some client that joined like two days ago and he was telling me how his former client, a former trainer had him eating like five meals a day. And this guy runs two businesses. So it's like a lot of trainers are out there trying to make every single person a bodybuilder. And it's like, that's not how it works. Like most people are trying to look good and, and feel healthy. And that's the market I'm in, right? So whenever we work with clients, we have to know their lifestyle. We have to know their, if they have any medical history from the past. And then if they do, we can work with their doctor and be like, hey, doctor, like what foods are a no-go? What, what things are you looking at on your side? Because let's be honest, most doctors are pretty clueless when it comes to health and fitness. And most trainers are pretty clueless when it comes to your health, right? <laughs> so it's like, there's a lot of gaps in the industry. And, and me being from healthcare for like eight, nine years and now doing fitness for seven years, it's like, I see the gaps on both sides. I'm like, doctors aren't perfect. Most dietitians are out of shape. Most doctors are out of shape. Most trainers are out of shape. So it's like, who does a normal person take advice from? Well, that's where discernment comes in. And when you work with someone, you should like take, first of all, use like do the thing that they tell you to do for at least a week because then most people have adherence issues. They don't even follow what the trainer tells them or what the doctor tells them. They kind of just like, you know, they're like, I I tried intermittent fasting once. And I'm like, okay, like how many days? They're like three days. And I gave up. I'm like, well, can you even say that you tried it? (laughs) Like That's like me saying I I tried learning math and then it didn't work out. Right. It's just like, you know,
1: I've been vegan since lunch.
2: Yeah. Like, so the point is take feedback from people, but obviously use your own judgment, but at the same time, be able to realize that you are out of shape for a reason. What got you here won't get you there. So your past behaviors, your past habits, your past way of living got you out of shape. So so to get you in shape, we're going to have to change a few of those things. We're going to have to change some of the habits, some of the behaviors, some of the character traits that you've had, right? Because too often people are all or nothing. Either they're on a diet or they're off a diet either they're working out or they're not working out. And it's like, Hey, like look at this as a pendulum, as a spectrum from zero to a hundred, right? How healthy are you? 60%, 70%? Or are you at twenties or thirties because you've got to know where you're at so we can actually move forward. Right? So like, I don't think it's the fault of other people, but at the end of the day it can all be solved if you're self-aware and you know what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Right. And then, hopefully you get a trainer that can ask you for where you're at. So how many days a week do you work? What's your schedule like? How busy are you, right? And then they could customize that program to you because as long as we understand the problem, we could create a solution, right? But if you work with a trainer that's like, no, bro, you got to eat two grams per pound of body weight of protein every day. That's like bodybuilding standards, right? And I'm out here just trying to get healthy. Like I don't want to be a bodybuilder. So it's like, Hey, do I even need that? No. So making it, that's, I think that's one thing we do really well is like, we're all about making it work with your lifestyle so you can do it forever. So you can do it for the rest of your life. not like, Hey, do this diet for 30 days and then like on 31st day, go on your own. No. That's yeah, I mean, not a
1: lot of these, these trainers will talk to a new client and, and make them promises of saying, you know, work out with me and I'll get you on the cover of fitness magazine But what they're not hearing is that that client may his father may have died at the same age that he is right now and he may be afraid that uh of having a heart attack just like his dad did and he just wants to make sure that he's going to be healthy and be there for his kids growing up and that's really why that person is at the gym not to be on the cover of a magazine and uh going back to what you're saying about understanding how your body reacts to food I, I grew up, um, at Gleason's gym boxing my whole life. I did it for very, very long time. And, uh, I had to stop a number of years ago just because of, uh, uh, schedule and, uh, injuries and stuff. But I remember when I would be competing or training for a fight diet was insanely strict. I was working with uh, somebody from the gym that they had planned out everything I was going to eat every day to cut weight, uh, for two weeks leading up to the fight. Uh, we do weigh in 48 hours before the fight. And then for the next 48 hours, I was on 10,000 calories a day, which is really tough to, to take. So you don't do it alone. You have partners that are are eating that same diet with you or next to you to make sure you can actually keep it down. Fight happens. And then afterwards, you're weaned off of that and you go back to a normal, regular diet and you stay You you try to eat very clean and healthy when you're you're coming out of the fight. I remember a couple of times I cheated and I had fast food and I felt like absolute hell after that. My body did not want to take that Big Mac. I just, I was in in pain. And then, sorry, after I uh, stopped fighting and I stopped working out as much and my diet wasn't as strict and I wasn't watching it so closely. I remember there was just a point where I could once in a while have fast food and my body didn't even notice. It didn't have a reaction. And that kind of scared me. Cause I'm putting really unhealthy chemicals into my body. And for it to just say, you know, react like this is normal. That means something was wrong and I needed to make a change. So I think one thing that people might not notice is that they don't notice what, how bad they, they are. And if you go through the drive-through and you feel fine afterwards, that could be a huge red flag right there.
2: 100%. And that, I mean that 100%, I've felt the same way. Like you have after eating mcdonald's after like a six month fitness competition um but yeah bro i mean what happens is your stomach has a lot of bacteria in it that are healthy and those bacteria digest food for us they do a lot of things for us and what happens is your body can almost get used to anything and i mean it so like like i say you can get addicted to unhealthy food you can also get addicted to healthy food too which is a good thing right so like one of the things we try to do is get our clients addicted to eating healthy because they know how shitty they feel if they eat unhealthy, right? But to a normal public that goes to McDonald's drive through that, you know, for breakfast, they have a caramel macchiato from Starbucks with a lemon cake and a brownie. That's their breakfast. So it's like when you eat like that, what happens is your body gets used to that. Your body gets used to eating that way. And then your gut bacteria gets used to it. And then you stop realizing how bad it makes you feel because that's your new standard, that's your new way of living. And that as, as bad as it is, you go to a doctor a year later and they do the blood work and they tell you you're type two diabetic now, right? And you'd never thought that would happen, but due to your choices, that has happened. But if you eat healthy, the first few days, the first few weeks are tough because you're trying to build a new habit. But I think this we see this all the time. In the beginning, clients are like, yeah, like, you know, I crave this, I crave that two months into our program, the client stops craving all the bad fast foods because we let them have it. We don't tell them not to have it. We tell them to go have it. They have it to feel like absolute worse right after eating that fast food. And then their brain is like, yeah, I don't want that anymore. It makes me feel bad. Like I just don't want it. So they, your, your own self talks you out of it. And that's how you basically cure the unhealthy obsession with unhealthy food. Right. And then yeah. you just program yourself. Like a lot of fitness people, for example, People make fun of us, but we eat the similar foods every day because we like those foods and they make us feel great. And people don't understand that. They think we're just like some crazy disciplined people. It's not. We actually enjoy eating healthy because we know how good we feel when we eat healthy. So like it's a, it's a chain reaction that we get, you know, really obsessed with. Not, and I like, I literally have no desire to go eat a donut right now. I have no desire to go to McDonald's right now because I know how shitty I would feel if I did that, and as a business owner, I can't afford to feel shitty. Really? I like I have a list of things that need to get done every day. Productivity matters. So like with our high performing clients, we, we that's one thing we try to like instill in them is like, hey, you can't afford to feel sluggish, to feel have a foggy brain, to have like low energy. You deserve to be a rock star that like just gets after it and runs a successful business because it matters. You, you just can't afford to feel sluggish all day when you eat bad foods. So if we can like give that to anybody, if you're listening to this podcast, is like food is fuel. So like if you're putting in bad fuel in your car, the engine is gonna go bad, right? But if you can train yourself to enjoy the healthy foods and make them tasty and actually learn to, to make them the right way, you, you're in for a life of like, you know, awesomeness because you finally figured it out.
1: One of the uh, biggest game changers for me, um, came a couple of years ago, a buddy of mine, good friend who I've known since high school, after high school, he did a year of college, realized that wasn't for him. And he went to the New York Culinary School and Institute. And he was a professionally trained chef uh, for like nine years. And the guy worked um, for some of the biggest restaurants and he was a private chef for celebrities and stuff. And this guy knows what the hell he's doing. Um, and so he, he was introducing me to something called the sous vide, which if you don't know what this is, it's amazing. He's telling me that the way that it cooks food is absolutely the healthiest and cleanest way that you could eat food. He's, he's breaking down how it, the, on a molecular level, how it's a cleaner, better way of cooking pretty much any protein. So if you don't know what it is, think of this uh, metal cylinder tube, kind of like almost the size of a um, half empty paper towel tube or roll you take your food, let's say a steak or a piece of chicken or salmon or something. You put it in a little Ziploc bag. You put some olive oil, some salt, pepper, your herbs, your seasoning in there. You seal it up. You fill a pot up with water and you clip the uh, the Ziploc bag with your food onto the side. You then take your sous vide and you put it in, you plug it in <clears throat> and you set the temperature for whatever temperature you want the food at. So if you want, let's say steak medium rare, that's 119 to 121 degrees, I believe. So you set it to, let's say 120 and it'll take the next 45 minutes to an hour to slowly heat up the water. It almost acts like a little hot tub and it will very slowly bring the inside of that cut of steak up to temperature. And then you can leave it there for as long as you want up to, I think like 12 hours or 18 hours. Some people say, and it won't overcook it. You take it out, you throw it onto a hot skillet or a hot, um, Grill or something, and then you can sear the outside of it. And now you've got perfectly cut restaurant quality steak or fish or chicken or whatever. And you did really little work. And so, what I do almost every day is when I start my day, I will take what I'm going to have for lunch and I'm going to have for dinner and I put it in the sous vide in my kitchen and I walk away. And then when I'm ready for lunch, it goes in the boiler for five minutes, and out comes this absolutely delicious meal that took five minutes to make. So it's not like you're spending all day cooking. It's not like an hour of prep time. It was literally five minutes, and then it when I'm ready for dinner, boom, there's my steak or my lamb. Actually, the last time I did lamb chops, and I get the best quality food that's cooked in the cleanest possible way. That took zero prep time, and it's absolutely delicious. And I feel great afterwards. And if I could pass the benefits of something as simple as a sous vide, and by the way, you can get them on Amazon. I think mine was like $40. So they're really affordable and it's that simple. So like, as soon as my, my friend introduced me to this, that kind of changed the, how I I cooked most of my meals and it's fantastic. I love it. Have you ever played around with one of these?
2: I haven't, but I have clients who have, and they tell me about it. They love it. Um, Yeah. I mean, I wish I had a super
1: sponsor, but, you know, I'm just as a a normal fan. uh, uh, You know, it's something that that I love. And um, the one downside is that if my dinner plans ever change last second, then it's like, all right, well, what do I do with this food? But, you know, that's not the worst problem in the world to have.
2: Right. No, 100 percent. I mean, I'm a big fan of setting up your kitchen in a way that's most efficient to your lifestyle. So like, I'm all like, I also like literally spend five minutes on my food in the morning and it's done. So I would like, um, you know, instant pot, air fryer, different things like that to make sure my, I, I never get bored of my foods. And then you don't want to spend too much time cooking your food every day. Like too often it, people make it so hard for them to eat healthy and they make it so easy for them so, to eat unhealthy. So like McDonald's drive through, you know, all these drive throughs, they're really quick and convenient but eating healthy for a lot of people is like, it sounds like a mountain to climb. But if you have a system like Josh, system like me, where you just wake up in the morning, put things in the air fryer, sous vide, whatever you want to do it, you got your foods done. Or you can meal prep on Sundays, or you can get a meal prep delivery service to your home. Like there's so many ways to make this work for you. And if you just make it work for you, you'll be able to do it forever. And, and that's the best part. And then you'll never be that person that, you know, oh, I have a trip planned to Hawaii, so I must lose 30 pounds. You'll always be ready. Like, you'll always be in decent shape. My, uh,
1: my air fryer, I, my instant pot and my air fryer are some of my favorite things that I own. Um, my air fryer is, um, it's got like a five in one, five different functions in one. One of them is a dehydrator. And at first I was thinking like, I'm never going to use this. I don't care about dehydrating fruit or anything. It's not really anything I'm interested in, but then I realized I can use it to make my own, uh, jerky. And at least once or twice a week, I'm going out getting a nice, good lean cut of, um, usually beef uh sometimes other you know i've played around with salmon jerky and turkey and all that Um seasoning it up overnight and then i'm making my own jerky and i have a um a delicious snack waiting for me in the afternoon and fortunately it doesn't last that long because i eat it that quickly but it's so much better than the store-bought stuff with all the preservatives it? in there
2: do you season it properly like how oh, do yeah.
1: you do it oh yeah no i am big into the different seasonings and sauce and stuff i'm i'm doing it upright and I mean, comparing it to any of the stuff you get in the store that's loaded with preservatives, you taste night and day difference right away. Um, Like real beef. So you take
2: organic beef and then you season it and then you dehydrate it in the air fryer.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's about as healthy as you could ever possibly make jerky. And it tastes so much better. And also, Can we talk about the price of beef jerky at the store? Holy crap. What kind of cartel is running the jerky industry? It's so expensive. Um, Yeah. I mean,
2: how much is it? I haven't had one in in a minute.
0: I I have
1: like a a normal bag that you would see it at the like a CVS or Rite Aid or one of them. You might be spending eight, nine dollars on like two ounces.
2: Yeah.
1: It's ridiculous. What's that Uh, new
2: company called Epic? Epic makes a lot of those bars and they're also on the pricier side, I think. Um, but they're like, you, their beef jerky is so full of sodium that it's made to like taste great. But at the same time, it's like, I don't like it when I have it. It's, it's, it's not real. You know, it yeah. feels like they added, they added so much to it that they altered the taste.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But um, I don't know what kind of air fryer you have, but if yours has a dehydration function, I'm telling you, play around with that. It. It's it's worth yeah, it.
2: Yeah, I think it does because it has a lot of functions and I haven't played around with enough of them. Um, so I'll definitely look into it.
1: Yeah, no, it, it couldn't be easier. And it's, once you do it, you're never going to want to not do it, which is awesome. So anyway, moving on, as entrepreneurs, we get to have... Kind of wild adventures that uh, other people typically don't. It's simply for the fact of who we hang out with, events we go to, the kinds of people that we we work with. Do you have any kind of like funny or crazy story that you could share with us? Something that only came up because you decided to become an entrepreneur. That if you were in an office, you probably never would have experienced.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot day to day. Every day is an adventure. Every day is full of stories, right? So. I'll tell you the highs and then I'll tell you a low. Um, the high is my, I, like, I worked a corporate job and it was like six figure salary, like life was good. But in the early days, I remember two months after leaving my full-time job to do my business full-time, there was a day when I made like two months worth of my corporate salary in one day. And I felt like, holy hell, like, this is really cool. Like this is freedom on a next level and I can do it right? So there's a lot of highs like that, where, you know, you have, you start doing things you've never done before. You compare that to your past life and you're like, I'm so much better off. And then the low was, I would say in the early days was when I had my first chargeback, had a client that things were going really well. And then I got a notification from our processor that, Hey, this person did a chargeback. And I remember just feeling all kinds of emotions in us, like very quickly. Felt angry, felt sad, felt weird about it. I was like, this has never happened to me. And my Joe's in business for three and a half years at that point. And um, first chargeback happens. And I remember feeling really low. So I remember reaching out to that client and being like, hey, like, is this like, I uh, heard you're doing a chargeback, but we talked yesterday and you were really happy. The client ended up canceling the chargeback, but I remember feeling absolutely the worst that it happened, Right. So you realize in business, you're going to feel all kinds of emotions because you are the business at times, even though you're not the business, the business is a separate entity, but like you feel like it's, it's you, it's a representation of you. Whereas a job is, you know, a lot of time it's whatever, like you're just there, you're, you're part of a, a small team in a very big company where you have a small role, a very defined role. You're not supposed to like go around knocking the boxes too much. You're supposed to stay in that role. In a business, you're going to be every role. Like in the early days, you're going to be marketing, you're going to be sales, you're going to be the coach, you're going to be the delivery, you're going to be everything. So like it becomes, if if you, I think a person, I guess the better advice is before you start a business, make sure your emotional stability is there. Like be an emotionally stable person because if your emotions are all over the place, you get angry quickly, you get sad quickly, like all those things, work on that because a business really amplifies all of those emotions so you're going to get happy times 10 you're going to get sad times 10 you're going to get angry times 10 so you're going to feel the good emotions but you're also going to feel the wrong emotions too i mean not the wrong but then but the bad emotions that you might perceive as bad um so like for me the adventures of being an entrepreneur definitely included a lot of emotional stability um, that I had to learn over time. And that made me a better boss, that made me a better business owner, that made you a better person to my clients, better coach. Um, so it's just yeah, it's just emotional maturity, I would say, on both sides. So when you win, don't celebrate too much. When you lose, don't be sad too much. It's whatever, it's part of the life, right? So I think that's one thing I've learned as an entrepreneur that I never had as when I was at a job, because I never, you know, you never feel You never get to be in a critical enough position where you get to feel all the emotions in a job. Whereas in your business, boom, like you're everything. So you're going to feel everything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one mistake that a lot of people make is they start to have success and they go and they spend all this money really quickly on all kinds of stuff. And they don't realize that that success may be because the stars aligned for a brief moment in time and it might not be a permanent thing. Maybe it, it lasts for a day. Maybe it lasts for six months. But at some point for a lot of people, that success goes away. And then all the money that they spent on that new car and whatnot, now that's wasted money that they could really use. So a lot of people, I think, um, celebrate too quickly. And then when they will have a fall, they're not prepared for it and it hit some extra hard. So I completely agree with you. If you can go back in time to the day you decide you're going to become an entrepreneur with the knowledge you have now, what would you have done differently?
0: Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I,
2: <laughs> that's a really good question. Cause it's like, I don't think I understood the risk as entrepreneurs take, and I don't think I understood the benefit of going, to be a full-time entrepreneur. Because too often people are trying to do like a full-time job on the side. They don't like, but like the day that you go full-time, that's the day you become an entrepreneur, you know? And uh, for me, if I go back, I would tell myself that keep learning, keep growing, because if you don't grow, things are gonna, business are gonna die. Like I would, I would instill a little bit more fear than I had. And then also, I think there are two beliefs that if that can give anybody watching this in the early days is grow or die, right? Like literally, like if you don't grow, your business will plateau and you'll hit bottlenecks and you'll constantly need to reinvent yourself at times. So yeah, no growth means death. And then the second thing is I just had it on top of mind. Um, Oh, it was uh, do the boring work, do the boring work. Right. So like, there's going to be days when you don't feel like doing it. Show up as a professional every day, right? Whatever your schedule is, five days a week, six days a week, or even seven days a week. Show up. Don't be the person. Like I work with businesses all the time um, that literally you set an appointment and they don't show up. They're like late for the appointment. They're like, they're just late. And it's like, these are things you can control as a business owner. And as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you don't want to be known as the person who's always late. You don't want to be known as a person that misses appointments. You don't want to be known as the person that, like, you know, has too much going on. It's just too overwhelmed, and they can't get anything done. You want to be known as a person that's reliable. You want to be known as the person that actually gets stuff done, right? So do the boring work and just keep growing. If you keep growing, you'll never fail because then you'll always rise to the occasion. Uh, so keep investing in yourself is the best thing you can do.
1: Um, no, that, that's a hundred percent agree with you completely on that. Um, so if somebody wants to get in contact with you so they could get in the best shape of their life and feel the best and show up every day, ready to kick that day's ass, how can they, uh, uh, get in touch with you or how can they learn more about your business?
2: Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a website called www.moguys.com. So M O E G H I A S. But I think the best way to get a hold of me is through either Instagram or, or Facebook. Uh, both of them, my, my, my usernames are the same. It is just Mo Gaius, M O E G H I A S. Shoot me a message. Um, we will love to help you. Just let me know that Josh sent you and we'll give you a uh, one month of free coaching. Uh, oh, that's awesome. we do like, yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, just message me on, on, or you can have, you can reach out to Josh and you know, we can uh, go from there. But Facebook, Instagram are the best ways to reach out. Um, Or if you just want to come read, I put out a lot of content every day, a lot of useful info that can help you understand how to live a fit lifestyle. Um, Just add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram, and you'll get to learn a lot of the behind the scenes of what we do and all the free content that I put out.
1: Very cool. Mo, thank you very much for being here. Uh, This is very uh, informative and and, uh, enlightening. So thank you for taking the time. And, uh, all right, guys, I will talk to you all next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the business gorillas podcast. If you're a highly successful entrepreneur and want to be a guest, go to businessguerrillaspodcast.com and fill out the form. Remember to share us on social media. Click the subscribe button. Leave us a five-star rating and review if you got anything out of the show. Feel free to connect with us on social media. If you're looking to connect with world-class top marketers and some of the most experienced fractional chief marketing officers in the world today, head on over to verygoodmarketingconsultants.com. On behalf of your host, Josh Rosenberg. Thank you for listening to the Business Gorillas Podcast.